Man, you guys know I really wanted to start this episode with just some awesome, like, fake Latin chanting. It was going to be so cool, guys. It was going to be so cool. But Miles was like, oh, but we can't do fake Latin. One, neither of us speak Latin. And two, we're not going to be able to write Latin. And three, we don't have a song that we could do the Latin. You know what, Miles? doesn't matter. Because we're talking about Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to your new favorite show, The More You Nerd. My name is Drew, and we are here to talk about the final piece of our Batversary coverage, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, the 1993 animated Batman film that fully submit, uh, fully cements, excuse me, uh, Kevin Conroy as the best cinematic Batman Uh but I can't do this alone, gang. I need my partner in crime. I need my cohort. I need my uh, my uh, 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 injustice society. No, that's uh, uh, like a, a, the Andrea Beaumont to your Bruce Wayne. OK, I was going more for the for the Justice League uh, <laughs> Legion of Doom. Why can't I think of Legion of Doom? Uh, anyway, Miles, how are you? I was excited and now I'm slightly concerned because at the top of the show, you uh cited a conversation that i don't remember having <laughs> i record everything Miles. so i record everything i have you on record so you cannot either hide. i've had a lot of this wine or you sir are full of malarkey <laughs> um, i am excited to talk about this after watching batman the animated series this month for the anniversary i this was always going to be the kind of the the wedding topper the yeah. cake topper for us. And I have been excited about revisiting this movie for a while. And I was doubly excited that HBO Max has it on here in glorious high definition because I know the last time I watched it was on a DVD. It looks fine, but like just seeing it just even slightly cleaned up is just mm, so, so good. Some of the stuff. And, and if you guys have not checked out any of the Batman animated series stuff on uh, on on HBO Max, they have it all out in HD, which not every release digitally you can get that way. Um, I would also highly recommend watching the Batman Beyond opening credits because whatever they have done to those credits, it just looks so. I mean, I'd smooth. recommend watching the show. <laughs> well, sure, but the opening credits just look so cool and is, awesome. I didn't look. Is Batman Beyond Revenge Return of the Joker on there as well? I I didn't look. Uh, I'm not okay, sure. I, I, I didn't did. either. Um, so this this is an interesting movie. Uh, before we start really kind of talking turkey about the film. Drew, do you remember when you saw this movie or <laughs> how you be, saw this movie? Yeah, you stole my question, you jerk. That was what I was going to ask you. Oh. <laughs> and my answer to that question is I don't remember how I saw this movie. I know I saw it back in the day. I mm -hmm. do not, however, remember if I saw it in theaters or if I saw it uh, on on a TV release or renting it on video or when. But I know I have seen it. I I remember being going to a movie theater. I actually remember the specific theaters. It was it was the former the now former uh, the Carmike Cinemas in Spartanburg, South Carolina, off of uh, East Main Street and walking up the steps and seeing on the right 
the poster for Batman Mask the Phantasm and being in awe just because one, it's a phenomenal poster and seeing the kind of silhouette of the phantasm and thinking, oh, man, this is this is a kind of a scary villain for Batman to face. This is this looks serious. I don't think I saw it in theaters. I think what had happened was my two brothers may have wanted to see something else. And because I think this film was PG-13, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, you know, I didn't actually look that up. I could be wrong. And because this was released at. Go ahead. I wouldn't be be surprised based on some of the content of this movie. Correct. I mean, this series always kind of had a PG-13 vibe. Um, And so if it is PG-13, it wouldn't shock me. There's not a whole lot of language, but I, I, I can I can definitely see. Um, so it is rated PG. Officially uh, by the MPAA, not PG-13. It okay. does have a PG-13 vibe, but this is also back when PG actually meant something. Um, <laughs> and it no longer does. I, I, I'm pretty sure that my brothers wanted to see something. I got outvoted. And because it was it was released on Christmas and even as this film opens up Gotham in kind of a snowy like facade, it feels Christmassy at the beginning in the same way that Batman Returns feels Christmassy. Now that one takes place at Christmas, but I I think the first time I saw it was that my mom made sure that she got a copy from Sam's Club the day it came out in that <laughs> clamshell WB VHS. And so I'm pretty sure that's how I saw it. I'm I'm almost positive I didn't see it in theaters, but I very, very much wanted to. But also uh, being nine, I didn't have a whole lot of choice in the matter of what I saw in theaters. Yeah. My my reaction right now is I'm not sure the last time I saw this movie because I have owned this uh, on uh, digitally uh, for several years now. And I know I have I watched it at some point after then. I'm right now worried that we covered this on the Maury Nerd in the past 10 years, and I do not remember doing that. I don't know if we have, and if we did, I don't care. Um, yeah, uh, we're, we're covering it again because, you know, I took better notes this it's, time. <laughs> it's, in, it's anniversary time, so I, I'm okay with that. This movie is 29 years old this year. Which is wild. Um, but yeah, so so let's let, so start off talking about Batman Mask of the Phantasm. This mm-hmm. was a theatric, theatrically released movie. I am losing my ability to talk, uh, but that's okay. Um it, it it is basically an extended multi-part episode with a higher budget and you can tell that budget in the animation style it is the same typical batman the animated series animation but it is just so much smoother so much sharper so many more details and and everything that's going on it just looks so I, good i will say i do take issue and the production team says this too this is not a Star Trek insurrection situation where I don't, this doesn't feel like just an episode. This actually feels like a, a, a complete thought Wait, of full I, length I, film. I, I will say I, 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 I retract that, that sentiment. No, I, no. I, I, the, I the production crew says the same thing. I, I'm not saying you said that. I'm just saying that. I, like, I agree. It, I agree with you. I don't think this feels like an episode. This does feel like its own. I mean, basically what we have in mask of the phantasm is 
the Batman, the animated series, Batman origin story. And. I'm going to bring up something. Uh, You're going to laugh and you're going to. Probably make a joke. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I know what you're going to say. This movie is the reason that I've I lobby so hard against constantly showing the crime alley scene. <laughs> Do we get a crime alley scene in, in no. TAS? Oh, in TAS? I think so. I can't remember. It's been so long. I think I just we don't do. Remember. I can't imagine that we don't. But this this what I love about this movie is that you don't see the death of the Waynes, but you see the impact the death of the Waynes has on young Bruce. And you also see what that does to him psychologically. You see what what he becomes as a result. You get these beats of a Batman origin and in a way that we don't often get. We don't get the first night failure that you don't you don't see that very often. I mean, like the Batman did show that like, oh, yeah, he he does a couple tricks that don't quite work out that well. But like you don't see him completely blow something because of a rookie mistake. Well, and and that and the Batman movie is supposed to be Batman year two. Year two. When mm-hmm. we so so this movie takes place in two different time periods, obviously the present day and then the an unknown number of years in the past. Um, but considering everybody that has gray hair <laughs> in the present has dark hair or different colored hair in the past, we have to assume it's at least 15 to 20 years. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's it's. It's weird because the time doesn't work because Sal Valester went from being kind of a young buck looking dude to decrepit old man from Breaking Bad. They do show him smoking in every scene, though. And they show everyone that, that, that does, he does smoke a lot, but a lot of people are smoking. Even the even the Joker smoking. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of smoking in this, and it's only having this conversation that I realize. I, I don't remember there's being any smoking in the series. I know it's I don't I think Bullock might have a cigar or something at some point in in at some point during our youth, they changed the rules to where you couldn't show smoking mm-hmm. in children's related Correct. content anymore. And I don't know if, if, if the animated series was before that or during that, or if they just didn't care, uh, but there so, is a lot of smoking in this. <laughs> yeah, there is uh, piggybacking off of what I was talking about last week. What struck me about watching this movie, and we're going to talk about the plot point in this movie, of course, but I, I don't know if we necessarily need to go beat by beat. I know we've talked about this movie before. It's, I mean, often ends up on the top two of Batman movies of all time. It's my number one Batman movie of all time. I love the fact, and this is what I said last week, that the animated series and by proxy the film does not treat Bruce Wayne as a mask. Bruce Wayne is a fully developed character who is also Batman and no no other film treats Bruce Wayne the way this film does. Yes, 100%. So we're to bullet point a couple of things, because I think it's important if you haven't watched this movie, one, stop this podcast and go watch it. Yeah, just go watch it. It's an hour and 15 minutes long. It is not very long. <laughs> it, it blows my mind that in 75 minutes, they do what 
people have taken three hours to attempt to do. And that's no, that is no diss on the Batman. I loved the Batman. It's one of my favorite movies this year, but the fact that they can tell a perfect Batman story in 75 minutes, which I want more. I, I that's my one minor criticism through this watch through is I wish it was 105 minutes because it could have used some of that padding just for the character's sake. Sure. But the fact that they can tell this story as good as they do in a minuscule amount of time is astounding. Yeah. Um, and, and so just to, to go a little bit of the beats of the story. So we are introduced to Batman hunting down a dude who is is. Uh, I think I think he's got plates to uh, co- counterfeit money. Yeah. Uh, and that guy ends up getting killed by another very Batman esque looking individual. If you're only looking at him from a distance uh and uh they they does he actually name himself in the movie at all does the phantasm mm-hmm. call themselves the phantasm nope nobody calls it the phantasm we only know it's the phantasm because the phantasm i have missed when you had situations like that where you might have a character that's called something or have an other alter ego and it's never said in the actual piece. I, I love that kind of stuff. It's fun. It's interesting. And um, it, it, it gets treated as a joke lately. Like the whole thing with she Hulk on uh, she Hulk is that she didn't name herself. She Hulk, but the name took off. So now yeah. she has to call herself. She Hulk. Um, but uh, so as we get into it, we are, uh, we we were kind of flashback because the person that was was killed was this crime boss that had a relationship with the father of this woman named Andrea Beaumont, played wonderfully by Dana Delaney. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Dana Delaney, who has the wonderful opportunity of getting to uh, getting to date uh, two different superheroes because she was also the voice of Lois Lane on the Superman animated series just for years. an iconic voice. <laughs> uh, and, and, and basically what we have is the, the, the present day story of Batman trying to figure out who is killing these crime bosses and why, and the background story of, of Bruce Wayne pr- prior to being Batman studied like he's, he's in the middle of studying. He's in the middle of going out and trying to solve crimes, basically wearing a black turtleneck and a, and a ski mask and, and, and his budding relationship with, with Andrea that is kind of getting in the way of, of this mission that he has taken on. Uh, and that is one of the most interesting things about it uh, to a point where at, at, at a certain point, and I know we're skipping around, but it's okay, gang, yeah. you have, you have Bruce Wayne who is, kneeling at his parents grave begging God, them that scene kills me that scene kills me <laughs> begging them to to let go of his oath the oath that he made not to them mm-hmm. and and that he's well, but, but, but he's, he still feels like because he feels the weight of his oath because it, it's entirely invented by bruce but he feels that like this guilt that if i don't do this thing that i set my life to do that I am somehow failing my parents. Yeah. And he is equally torn because he's in love and he never, he never counted on that. And this, what I, I love his, about his, Andrea his phrase Beaumont, was, I didn't count on being happy. Such a heartbreaking scene. Oh. And, and this is why 
honestly, I put Andrea Beaumont uh, higher on my list than most of the people that uh, they they tend to ship Batman with because of this. <laughs> what are you thumbs downing me oh, for? I'm, I'm a big I'm a big Bruce Wayne, uh, Selena Kyle fan. I love Selena Kyle, but the story they tell in this and trust me, look, that one episode, that one issue uh, a couple years ago for uh, that the double date that Selena Kyle and Bruce went on with uh, Lois and, and Clark. Oh, that's one, one of the best, of the best of all time. What, yeah, one of the best single issues of Batman <laughs> ever written. I agree. I love Selena Kyle. I like when he on. I'm with Paul Dini where I like when they pair him with Zatanna. I've always really enjoyed that pairing. I mean, keep in mind that Paul Dini is married to the voice of Zatanna. So, of course, I understand that. And he's always (laughs) written those two together, even in comics. But I I love the story they tell here. And it's a great tragedy. I think Andrea Beaumont is a wonderful character. I would have loved to spend a little bit more time with her. And this is where I would have liked more time. More time with her and more time seeing their relationship really blossom. Like they communicate beautifully how this relationship goes. And they do that with not a lot of scenes. But I still would have liked to really get grounded in that tragedy and the beauty of their romance because it was it was so genuine. And I mean, honestly, the their meet cute is phenomenal. At the cemetery. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little weird. <laughs> it's but. weird, but I mean, it's Bruce Wayne. Of course, it's going to be weird. And <laughs> that whole scene, I just I really like it's a it's a good scene. It's a fun scene. And and I and, and there's a weird part. So so that they're meet cute. Bruce is sort of, you know, at his parents grave, just kind of. Talking to them, he's, but not talking to them. he's, he's, he's doing what them. he's doing. <laughs> And he overhears a woman talking and he thinks she's talking to him. But no, she is talking to her dead mother and her her rationale for talking to her out loud is that she has a hard time doing it in her head. But when she says it out loud, she can hear what what would, what her mother would her, likely say. Yeah. And and there's there's something very, very sweet to that. And 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 this is another thing about Andrea Beaumont that I really appreciate after watching it this time. And that these Andrea and and Bruce are way more alike in ways that I don't think I appreciated before this viewing. Yeah, I mean, she she is very similar to Bruce, except she takes it a little bit further and she can't let go of the anger behind the, I mean there's a great there's a great moment where uh he talks about vengeance and then and she just kind of looks like that's rich coming from you um yeah. but there is a line that Bruce draws that Andrea doesn't she takes her vendetta personally and she's not out she's not out to protect the city she's not out to stop crime she is specifically out to kill the people involved with her father's death and ruining her life. That is what she's out there for. She is not out there for any altruistic reason. Nope. Um, and she dresses dope doing it. She dresses dope doing it. She's got her own sense of theatricality that is is different than Bruce's. Um, yeah, because spoiler warning, she is the phantasm. Uh, <laughs> and that is something. Yeah, that- and, and again, I, I would have liked more time with the detectives. They do a good job with the detective stuff, but I would have liked more stuff to where it's like 
at no point, even when I originally saw it, did I not think she wasn't the phantasm after a certain point. They, like when they bring up the possibility that, oh, that it's her father, I was never like. <laughs> and so I would have liked for some scenes to kind of build that up a little bit so that reveal just is actually shocking. So what's funny is I had a weird memory of her taking over her father's role as the phantasm. And I don't know why I thought that. And it, I, I, you know, it's so funny. I think there was a comic book or something that for, for that from the so, Batman, the animated series comic that may have indicated I, I, that. See, I wouldn't have read that. I wouldn't have read that. What I did, what I did read, though, was Batman year two, which was I mean, there's there's oh, a bunch of similarities. The, yeah, 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 yeah. And maybe I'm pulling it from that, but I don't remember that well enough to know. Um, yeah. I mean, Batman Year Two is not very good. It's not, um, it's not very good. It's the one if you've I, ever seen the the book cover of Batman holding a gun and pointing it at at basically right at you on the cover. That's Batman Year Two. But uh, yeah, covers by uh, Tom McFarlane, I believe. Yeah, I know he. I know he worked on the book. But uh, anyway, uh, but to to get back to this story, we do have to probably talk about the third, uh, the third piece of the triad of this, and the piece that I will be honest, I. I'm surprised they included, but I'm not complaining that they included it. And, and and especially because this is the first time that we have covered this particular character or doing the, the third member of the, the triad of characters uh, in this is the Joker. This is the, how do you mean the first time we've covered this character on, on Batman, the Imminent series? Cause he wasn't in. The oh, other stuff oh we, I thought you meant on this podcast. I was like, oh, what are you no. talking talk about, about you insane person? We talk about the Joker all the time. <laughs> I know. Uh, we, we didn't uh, do yeah, an episode no, on We the haven't movie, talked but... about the Joker this month. You're right. Yeah, calling me out like I was. Well, oh, no, I was just very confused as to what you were talking about. I was like, oh, man, we're we're not 40 yet. <laughs> no, but th- so so this is the other aspect of this. And this is also something that I was surprised about uh, when doing that. But before we get into the Joker in this, let's talk about the Joker in Batman, the animated series, because for every comment on how. Kevin Conroy is the voice of batman in our heads i think it is very safe to say for many of us that mark hamill luke skywalker mm-hmm. himself uh is is the joker um yes i i think it's the role that honestly really helped redefine his career um i know he'd done voice work before and he I mean, obviously continued to do so he did voice work on batman in the animated series before yes, he, he was the joker he was in the but, very first episode but Wait, the no, joker was the character that one i mean he just fell into and defined and it also just solidified him as a rock solid voice actor for sure i mean to the point where a lot of the other jokers that you see in things are doing a mark hamill impression and if they're not it's really obvious like when um john dimaggio did it for uh under the red hood and he just sounds like a guy from jersey and it's really weird <laughs> i actually um, don't mind john dimaggio's joker very much it, 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 i don't it, hate it, it but it's it's i mean it's certainly a choice um 
I, 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 yeah, it's it's the most iconic Joker voice for me. I mean, I'm a big fan of Heath Ledger's portrayal. Um, the the Nicholson kind of drawl is always, uh, you know, a favorite as well. But but Mark Hamill's performance. And yeah, when I read a Batman comic, I read it in his cadence. There was a, a lyricism to the way he performed that character and a vaudeville aspect that often gets lost in the character almost every other time people do something with a Joker. And it's, it's, it's very weirdly reminiscent of Cesar Romero's Batman sixties, Batman Joker in, in a, in, in like a much more evil way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you took Cesar Romero I mean, if you blended almost every version of the Joker except for Jared Leto, you kind of have what the animated series is. It is the archetypical Joker. This is a homicidal madman, but he's also a showman. And they're able to show both sides of that because, I mean, the Joker murders people in this in this movie and horrifically. But you also have the guy who's talking to robots and toys and that that the that scene with the with the lady robot man it's like (laughs) this was in this movie well again it's an adult joke kids aren't gonna get it pg meant something very different back in the day a lot of people now a pg movie is what a g movie would have been in 1980 like and a g movie is for young kids yeah, because you used to have PG or R. And so for the longest time, you still had people kind of pushing the PG limit. And and this movie does because there's there's not a whole lot of cursing, but there's certainly some visceral violence, some blood and a lot of, some a lot of bullets really dangerous fired. situations. I mean, there are scenes where like, I mean, Batman is in peril. I uh, mean, there, there I love are, there are. And I know this doesn't sound like it would matter, but the fact that two characters of the movie say "my God" or "Oh my God" is oh like a, yeah, we got we have to talk about that scene because it is one that has always left an impact on me. Is when you see him in the shadows as he's creating the Batman outfit <laughs> and he puts his hand out very similarly as Jack Nicholson does in the 1989 Batman movie reaching for his mask, which Alfred gives it to him. And then you see him put it on for the first time and come forward in the light. And Alfred just gasps, takes his step back and goes, my God. And Batman just walks right past him. It is burned into my memory. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to completely tangent. Alfred has some amazing lines in this movie. Um, yeah, <laughs> I diapered you a bottom of my bloody well ought to is <laughs> one of my favorite. I'm sorry, Alfred, I have to, I have to t- correct you. I bloody well ought to, sir. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred, I mean, we've talked a little bit about Alfred and how great he is in this series, but he is written to perfection in this film. He's written to perfection in this series and voiced just perfectly again. This is the voice of Alfred that I hear when I read the comics. Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. portrayed Batman, uh, portrayed Alfred in uh, Batman, the animated series and all of its associated stuff. Um, passed away in 2014 at the age of 95. Yeah, Good I mean, long. great, great long life. Uh, I mean, and also a very long career. I mean, working with the likes of, you know, Bob Hope, Alfred Hitchcock early in his career to Remington Steele. And I mean, 
he's done so much. I mean, and it wasn't just this. I mean, he was he was Justin Hammer in the Iron Man animated series. He was Dr. Octopus in the popular 95 Spider-Man cartoon. Like this guy, even towards the end of his career, was putting in iconic work. <laughs> just and, and just truly, truly fantastic in this. I love and, and again, not this isn't all the vocal performance, but uh, Alfred walks in on uh, Andrea and Bruce <laughs> making out twice <laughs> carrying a tray of things right and it's like oh, all right going i'm just, exit stage left <laughs> just just wonderful with 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 with, with, with kind of a, a slight smirk that just says good for you because yeah. <laughs> he wants him to be happy like this is the this that's he does and he likes andrea um there's not a lot to dislike she is a wonderful character very kind of kathleen hepburn like or katherine Hep- hepburn bike uh gives me that kind of vibe um she is also from what seems to be an affluent family and which which i mean it's interesting because they clearly have money based off their house you kind of get the impression that they maybe not have always had money because she's still impressed that oh that's bruce wayne you know well i mean keep in mind you could be you could be yeah, a, you could uh, be rich but not be, be bruce wayne rich yeah, yeah, that's you could sure. be yeah. very well off uh millionaire even and be jealous of the billionaire Bruce Wayne who is but but she's she's great and I I mean I, I think this movie is is so well written because they take the time and it's so weird that they do this in 75 minutes they take the time to do everything you even have a Joker origin without having a Joker origin I mean that that's the thing that got me about this and and we I, I said we'd circle back to this like I, I there there is a dude that they make a point of of letting you know and letting you see flick a cigarette at the car that Bruce is driving away from in the past in the flashback moments, and you just, you don't think about that guy, but it's after it's after the uh, 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 Sal Valestra the Weezer has gone to get the Joker's help in some uh, to to take out the Phantasm and ends up getting killed in the process by the Joker that you see that a picture of all of them again. And it's like, wait, wait a sec. Wait a second. And Bruce is the same thing. Cause he's, he goes, Oh no. <laughs> the Joker. And they don't even, they don't tell you that guy's name. They don't tell nope, you. That, it's, that's don't that's tell what you, I love about it. Don't tell you because how I'm he not became lie. the Joker. I, I have never been one that needs the Joker's origin shrouded in mystery. I don't, like even though i don't love i mean i don't care for alan moore's the killing joke i think the art's tremendous i think the story's okay but that idea of the joker's origin has never been a problem for me and it certainly was this kept very similar in uh tim burton's batman so having him be this ruthless hood this uh, what seems Uh, to be like a capo or like uh, a red like a red hood Right. Um, having him be like a, a capo or or something like he's just certainly a hitman. I, I was down with that. And the scene with him in and Sal is great because it just there are so many attempts, even though he's not a major part of this movie. There are so many great. Scenes where. 
the Joker's performance just chews up scenery. My old uh, pal, Sal, you know. Come on in, me Casa Nostra Esu Casa Nostra. That's a great line. I'm sorry. That's it's great, it's great. I mean, the performance is so good. And I also, I am a sucker for a World's Fair. And so, okay, I, dude, we got to talk about this World's Fair because as we have talked about in this show before, I love the art style of Batman the Animated Series, this sort of 40s mm-hmm. art deco feel. And there is nothing that says that more than a freaking World's Fair. It just rules. Oh, and what's even better about this is you see, you see, when you get to see it before and after, they never tore it down. But you also, on the date that he takes Andrea to, to the World's Fair, you see him turn around and go, and have the biggest boner for what ends up being the Batmobile. (laughs) It's like Like he's all about this car. And then when they finally pan to it, we're like, oh, that's the Batmobile. I, I love all these connections of Bruce Wayne being a little kid. And then as Batman fulfilling those little kid dreams, whether it's being the gray ghost or the Batmobile. <laughs> yeah, I also loved there is this gigantic like what looks kind of like a weird spaceman statue that has mm-hmm. that has like this sort of slightly conish top to it. It's like, is, is that the anti-monitor? Is that the anti-monitor? <laughs> Come on. I, I, I love that. I love the dilapidated World's Fair because it's so creepy. Oh, and, yeah, and, and, and I love I love that stuff about Gotham City in this because it clearly shows that this is a city that was doing very well at a point and at some unknown in the, in the gap of time. There has been just something that has happened. Crime has infested the city and the city is not worried about these things anymore that it used to be interested in. And everything's just broken down and run down but it's still like it's run down but it's still like big and oppressive oppressively iconic and stuff like that and it's that art style that really makes it work i love the art style of the show i cannot talk enough about the art style of the show yeah uh the art style of the show the art style of this movie and and let's talk a little bit about that because the they were given a little bit of extra money, which shows up in the, the you know, the CGI sequence of Gotham at the beginning. But which, for the which, most uh, part, which for the record, I actually don't like that. I think it's weird. <laughs> I'm fi- I'm fine with it. I wish it was more consistent because so much of this movie is straight up the animation quality of the animated series. Now, while the animated series is extremely high quality and there are some scenes that certainly stick out because they use that money there it would have been nice if they could have thrown a little bit more money into the full production of this movie, because there are scenes that do stick out to looking kind of flat. Again, stylistically, it doesn't matter too much because this style rules and is timeless, but there is there is a disparity in certain scenes quality that I really wish, you know, yeah, this is a movie that that early in the production, WB decided, oh, yeah, we're going to put this in theaters, which kind of shocked everybody. And you can kind of tell that it wasn't necessarily if they had had this money from the beginning and designed it that way. I think this would have been a fully perfect movie in that respect. But I think there are some scenes that just look a little flatter because some scenes just pop out more because they they had they they chose to use the resources there instead of other scenes. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I mean, I get that. I get that. I just, I love just the sharper look of, of this. Oh yeah. I mean, just seeing this in HD, even getting some of these classic Batman year one scenes, there's the, the whole, 
uh, in Batman Year One, it's they're they've trapped Batman in this building. He uses uh, a, ga- a grappling hook and the, the cow to come out of the building. So everyone's focus is shoots on that. Now, in most versions of this story, including the original, it's Gordon that pulls up because he's got a secondary mask on and drives Batman out of there. But in this one, it's Andrea because she knows who Batman is. She's figured it out already, you know, and and he hasn't figured out who she is, despite the fact that she was, you know, in the in the the graveyard in the cemetery at night after a murder's taken place. But, you know, that's a perfect opportunity to go talk to your dead mom. That's fine. yeah and that's another thing is while this movie's not gratuitous it's you don't see a lot of scenes this movie does not hold back on the idea that all of the things that the phantasm is doing is pretty graphic yeah so we have in the first one the first killing uh i guess there's really only the two that we see we see two, but we're told of others. Uh, so the, in the first one, uh, the phantasm uh, causes uh, a guy's car to careen off of a construction site, parking deck, basically, and across the street into a window uh, of another building. And that's all we see. Uh, the second one, um, which is maybe the most, <laughs> the most dark, <laughs> uh, the phantasm chases... Uh, uh, is it is it Buzz Bronski? Is that the one? Yes. Who it is? Or is Buzz it Chucky Saul? Bronsky. No, Chucky Saul was the first one because he's like, you were always a loser, Buzz. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, because Buzz calls Chucky a, a loser. Right. Okay. Uh, chases him through the graveyard. He falls into an open grave, <laughs> looks up and sees this this angel statue that then the phantasm pushes onto him. And then that's the end of that. And crushes him to death. And then even the, the, even the goons come and they're like, Oh my God. You know, they're, they're, they're just like aghast. And I mean, we need to talk a little bit about the design of the phantasm. The phantasm looks like the grim reaper meets ghost of Christmas past or future, which is what the Joker kind of describes it as. But the costume is awesome combining with the theatricality you've got a really gnarly looking character this is i mean like we said earlier this is batman gone wrong and it and and, and that's and that's really the thing it is batman gone wrong because the criminals they look at this they, they look at this creature from afar and they just think it's batman it is it is a a gray hood with a big weird claw arm thing on one hand, it's like, a, like a hand scythe kind of thing. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird. That's maybe the only thing that doesn't really work for me for the phantasm's appearance. Yeah, but in so much of the iconography, it just it totally works. But uh, and, and then uh, the, uh, this smoke effect, and then it's just sort of like grim reaperish, like skullish mask, metallic mask. It's so cool. And and the voice, which we have to we have to talk about this. Uh, the phantasm uses the voice of of uh, uh, Carl Beaumont, Andrea Beaumont's father, uh, voiced by Stacy Stacy Keach, 
in maybe the least Stacy Keach performance. I love Stacy Keach so much, though. I mean, he's great. No, it, it, it's a great voice for it because it's it's deep and brooding. But normally, when I hear Stacy Keach, he's put on more of a character to it, and this is a much right. Flatter, which, but I can also I can also totally see Stacy Keach having the time of his life in the booth, like just doing this role. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, which uh, Stacy Keach still still alive? Stacy Keach? I'm pretty sure Stacy Keach passed recently. Um, Wikipedia still has him as age 81. Maybe he. I thought he passed recently, but I could be. Oh no, I'm wrong. I, someone from uh, the show Titus passed recently. Maybe it was Zach Ward. Nope. Some somebody passed recently from that show. <laughs> I'm not sure who. Yeah, I, um, I, I thought Stacy Keach had passed away. Um, I love Stacy Keach uh, in this movie, and I guess I lost because I got super into him in the the sitcom for Fox Titus, and I kind of lost touch with him after a while in terms of his career. And I thought I could have sworn I saw that he had passed away, but I'm I'm happy to report that he is still alive. Um, I want to talk a little bit as as we're kind of wrapping up about what this this movie. We've talked about all the cool things about this movie, why this movie works. Let's talk about why. I mean, certainly for me, but I think a lot of people consider this one of the best Batman movies of all time. And honestly, one of the better Batman stories of all time, especially one set in kind of the origin years uh, for a different media than comics. I, I would like to talk about this and I, I'm, and I have a pretty decent answer as to why it works. Let's go. Let me hear it. Let me hear it. So this, this movie works in, in cutting out like there's, there's not a ton of fluff in this movie. If anything, they really could have added more. Yeah, no, that, that, that's my one criticism is I wanted more fluff in this movie. And, and I, I especially, I think the ending is a little, is paced a little weirdly. I feel like, it becomes a Batman versus the Joker moment when it it course corrects at the very end. But mm-hmm. I would have liked to have seen Andrea there. This this movie could have benefited from at least 20 more minutes of film. It really could have. It, like which is weird good to say because it's it, it's it's very tightly paced, but I, I you know, I, I look 24, 20 minutes of film would still made this. 95 minutes long i mean uh, that's also true um but uh <laughs> like like, like let, let's 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 put that in perspective like this this thing is very short so i i think if it had 20 more minutes of just pure almost purely character stuff and a couple of extended scenes in the batman stuff i think you needed another murder or at least another meeting between batman and the phantasm and I think they needed to do a better job of the anti-Batman sentiment that yeah. is briefly rippled in this movie that echoes that. Batman Returns. <laughs> I'll give it that. Uh, so, so Miles, what, what, what? Outside of that, what do you think really, really works for this? I think this is one of the very few pieces that you can watch and give it a, a complete sense of who Batman is. Now, that sounds silly, 
because like, oh, I can get that from watching Heart of Ice or or, or any episode of the, of the animated series. And there are certain episodes that's that's true. You watch this. Not only do you get part of the origin, you, what the foundation of who Bruce Wayne is as he becomes Batman and then what Batman stands for, what Batman means to him in the face of somebody that he loves and is still alive and he has to make the decision of what he's going to do. I think this movie shows that in a way that almost no, no, in a way that no other film depicting Batman has before or since just at the animated series, it's done the character such a justice and is both fresh and faithful to the best version of Batman that it's almost impossible to to not for me to not like this movie. Like, I, I feel like th- this is just like the perfect representation of if someone doesn't know who Batman is or what Batman's all about, just show them this movie. And and it, it is a cartoon and it is a cartoon aimed, you know, like the show itself was aimed at children. It was on Fox Kids and Kids WB. It was, but it but, was a mature cartoon. But it was a mature cartoon. And there are subtleties in this that you don't necessarily notice the first time. I'm going to call out one in particular that I think is one of the, the, the most telling and most interesting things that they do that I have not seen anybody talk about. Uh, and that is. When in the flashback, we have talked about how Bruce was not doing well. He made a mistake and almost got killed for it and and all of this stuff, Uh, you know, when he's wearing his ski mask. What we don't talk about is that how he jumped down and in his Bruce Wayne voice said something. He did not have the typical Batman voice. Now, this yeah, show, he just this, says, you know, get on the floor, spread them. <laughs> yeah, this show has been very good about having a Bruce Wayne voice and a Batman voice. You know, Bruce would talk a little bit more like this and Batman would talk like this. This is a point where he hasn't learned that aspect yet. He cl- he he calls out that they didn't fear him, but that the voice was part of that. And that is never said. It is never that he never says, and I need to change my voice to make it scarier. That's not stated because they don't have to. They just they showed that moment. There's subtlety to it that they just let the audience experience things that they don't have to necessarily lay down every part. And part of that is another reason why I think this movie works is because by the time this movie comes out, you have 60 episodes of a TV show. That have already laid out a lot of familiarity with with a number of the characters. You don't have to do an intro sequence for or not an intro sequence. You don't have to do uh, the, the crime alley sequence for this Batman because we know this Batman. We know it already. Even I don't think this movie needs a, a crime alley sequence, uh, even though I am a big <gasps> favor of having crime alley sequences, because this is a continuation of a story that's already being told. We don't need to introduce Alfred. We don't need to introduce Batman. We don't need to introduce the Joker. We don't need to introduce Commissioner Gordon, who I don't even think is called Commissioner Gordon in this movie. He's just there. Well, and there are archetypical characters that are, I mean, you know, through cultural osmosis. People know who Darth Vader is before they've ever seen an episode of Star or um, a Star Wars film. In the same way, they're only doing TV shows now. That's that's true. (laughs) Uh, People people know who the Joker is. 
They may and not, so like they may not know who Harvey Bullock is, who was a detective in the show and is just appears in a flashback as a cop in a car that yeah. I know because I've watched the show. But the, but, but, the, but it I, doesn't matter. But but uh, but I think what what I think I I think it does. But I don't think it, it does doesn't this. matter to someone who's never seen it before is what I'm saying. But I I think where this where this movie succeeds and the way it can succeed so much is because they really only have to introduce us to Andrea and her story. Yeah, I mean, so and one thing is like, yes, this show was marketed for children. It was part of the Fox Kids afternoon or the Fox Kids Saturday morning. I don't I don't agree that it was necessarily made for children because the way this show was made was done in the way that animation used to be made, which was which was done a little bit more more the Fleischer kind of style where, yeah, they're they're comic book adventures, but it's not this isn't kitty stuff. This is just an art style, a work of art that they are trying to perpetuate. And I think the Batman the animated series is very influenced by that aspect of animation before the 70s and 80s made it purely just kind of a puerile oh it's only for kids type of thing that i think has that limited animation in american mainstream media for decades i think they're they're against the grain here i think they're they're making a great animation show and film that is being marketed to kids but isn't necessarily a quote unquote for kids product i 100 percent agree with that i uh, i was actually having a conversation uh earlier today about the uh, about the idea of that that we as millennials have grown up with the idea of animation that was not for children like we have now we have plenty of things like the simpsons and family guy granted the simpsons had already started by the time <laughs> batman the right but the simpsons started. was kind of the flintstones it was a little bit of a exception to the rule for a lot of people right uh but but now we have like we have adult swim we have rick and morty we have all of this animation that is specifically for adults because we have grown up with the idea that animation is not just for kids because certain shows were given the 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 opportunity to tell i don't want to say more adult stories but just just mature stories mature stories good stories that you you you're not afraid to put your child in front of but that didn't always have a happy ending didn't always right have- i mean because of this show you get gargoyles which was another i mean massive uh milestone for a lot of people in terms of animation hey remember that episode of gargoyles where one of the gargoyles shot a person <laughs> yeah <laughs> Like that's a thing that happened, but 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 uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I think I think these shows combined with the cultural introduction to for a generation to Japanese animation, I think paved the way for the way that people our age and younger are approaching animation with a more um, academic lens than what people were doing before. I would say the animated series came out. I mean, I look at it. I look at Batman, the animated series, and I think of of, I I think of a show like weirdly Steven Universe. You would not think that I would be able to uh, I would relate these shows so closely together. Oh, I I get it. But but Steven Universe, way more bright and cartoony uh, in in animation style and all of that. But the types of stories that they tell on that show are 
more mature some sometimes not always mm-hmm. but but the but the overall arc of that show is is on a different level than what you would get for for something that is aimed more directly at children and that's i i feel like that stuff it didn't necessarily start with batman the animated series but it was certainly a watershed moment when that show came out Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's that's what makes this this movie captures all of that and everything that makes the animated series great and just tells a perfect 75 minute story with that. I mean, it is a great, complete thought separate from the animated series. It stands on its own, but I think it is indicative of everything that makes the animated series great. And as we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of the series itself, I can think of no better way than capping it off with, I I would think the best representation of Batman animated series in in, in a single, if I had to give a single thing, like we've talked about some amazing episodes, but if I had to give someone a single thing, it would be this film, which for me is the best Batman movie ever made. Let's pull back the curtains on that. I can't really wrap anything. I can't really come back with another one for that one. (laughs) I get I get super passionate about this. I'm into it. I'm into it. (laughs) Uh, So with that said, we were going to we're going to hang up our capes and cowls uh, for Batman, the animated series 30th anniversary as we move into almost wish we were doing a deep dive <laughs> hey man we don't have the time <laughs> no we don't that's that's more than 100 episodes that's a we, patreon show one day yeah that's a, that's a i i need to quit my job to do that kind of show <laughs> right uh but hey if you want to you know uh email me <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you want to send me a million dollars then <laughs> we'll do it uh so with that said let us move into oh no Oh no! Oh, yes. to the calendar. I can feel my power growing. I can it's feel that time it of the year. Coming in the air tonight. Hold it's on. fall. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yes, it is my favorite time of year. It's the spooky time of year, and as we have for the May. last. No, I'm just kidding. It'd be funny if somebody's <laughs> listening to this and didn't pay attention to when the episode was coming out. We're just like, it's May. The spooky time. No, it's October, gang. It's October. As we've done for the last couple of years, uh, we have decided uh, once more to kind of uh, continue our trunk or treat series. Now, we were kind of going into a progression of going more and more into the teen stuff, but with some of the stuff coming out and then uh, a certain special returning ghost coming aboard next month, um, where it's going to be a hodgepodge of that kind of um kids to young adult theme um and we are going to start with one that has uh, a little bit of a reputation um it's going to be available on disney plus and it's called don't look under the bed uh this was one that was uh, a disney channel original movie that or maybe maybe not, didn't have the dcom label yet but it was a disney channel original movie in that sense and was deemed way too scary and they didn't show it for quite a while. And it's one that a lot of people will bring up because they only saw it once or twice. And I believe there was a VHS release or something. But uh, it's one that I actually have not seen. And oh. I am really excited. I've been saving it for something. And so I figured, why not do it for Halloween times on The More You Nerd? 
All right. Stephen Tobolowsky's um, in this I'm not, movie. I'm not going to even ask if you've seen this movie, Drew, because I know the answer. Oh, you know <laughs> I haven't. Uh, and uh, so, yeah. Too, too scary for Disney. Ooh. I mean, uh, that that needs an asterisk with it. I mean, because it's it's still a Disney Channel original movie. Um, it was it was it was a, a decom. OK, um, this was uh, from 1999, and I am very, very excited to get to this one because a lot of uh, young horror fans have talked about this being a big gateway movie for them. Uh, and it's it's usually on a lot of of top lists for the best uh, decoms or Disney Channel original movies, which was the brand name for the original movies that still exist to this day, where you get stuff like Zombies or uh, Wendy Wu uh, Homecoming Warrior, stuff like that. Um, so I am very, very excited to to get to this. And um, we are going to cover that next week on the show. All right, gang. So with that said, if you would like to reach out to us, you can find us at themoreyounerd.com. You can tweet to us at themoreyounerd. You can go to facebook.com slash themoreyounerd. And you can email us themoreyounerd at gmail.com. That's themoreyounerd at gmail.com. But in the meantime, for at least one last time this month, I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Nerd out. out.